Okay, Matthew chapter 6, verses 33. Maybe we can read it from verses, verses 31. So, remember we're doing the promotion, the message on promotion. And uh, remember the Lord judges, He sits as a judge when He gives promotion. So, Verses 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Next one. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So we are not to seek the eating and the drinking and what we will wear, but we are to. Your Father knows that you need these things, He knows what you need, but we are to seek, pursue, go after, uh, make our priority. Remember, what does the word priority mean? It means that which should be done first. So the kingdom is to be our priority and then the rest will come, right? So, um, so last week we did a little bit of a recap on covetousness and, and uh, we'll still do a little bit. And last night while I was sleeping, my spirit was constantly busy. And so uh, I know that the Lord wants me to to, to visit the area of doing the will of God, doing the will of God, right? So, and one of, one of the things that is God's will is His kingdom, right? It is God's will, the kingdom of God, what He wants. And later on, we will understand that a little bit more as we move into that direction. But uh, go with me to Matthew 6 also, early, I think, verses... Uh, 11 sorry verses 9 well let's read verse 8 as well Matthew 6 verses 8 Matthew 6 verses 8 so we are told you therefore do, do not be like them for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him so our father knows before we ask and uh, my wife and I can testify of much of those things how sometimes you think something or um, you kind of have let hope you'd go somewhere or holiday or something like that and I don't want to go down into the testimonies now but um, and how God arranged it before we even had the thought or the, the asking. So God knows, your Father knows that you have need of these things before you ask. And I think in the, in the past I gave you the example of with my children. Uh, we know before they ask what they need. Before they are even old enough to understand what they wa would want in the future, you are already making preparation a simple example is you are preparing maybe for their studies. 
that they have to go study uh, one day when they finish school. And so, you know, when they finish school, they might uh, have a desire to go and study something. So you prepare. So you know things beforehand. And God is the same way. He knows beforehand what you would ask and what you would need. And He therefore can provide for it. And the word know there, it means that He's aware of what you need. And He is doing something about it. That's what that word knows. And we spoke about that already. Then verses 9. It says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Verses 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So here, uh, immediately Jesus says, we should pray after this manner. So that doesn't mean every time you pray, you should say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right? No, it doesn't mean that. There are principles in there that, that guide us. And, and this one says that when you pray, you should pray, Thy kingdom come. Now, if something is your priority, it is something that gets your attention. Right? When something is a priority, it gets your attention. Say, so you should pray, Thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? So, next, you should pray about His will. So, when you pray, you should be thinking about His will. What He wants. What He wants you to do. And most, most of the time, in our prayers, that is not the case. We are not... When we pray, we are not thinking about what He wants. What causes you to pray? You must ask yourself a question like that. What causes you to pray? Okay. So, uh, for example, if you, have, if you need something, then you pray. If you want something, then you pray. If you have a problem, then you pray. Right? But... The, the problem with that is that sort of dominates the reason why you pray. If you just sit and think about it, then you realize what motivated you to pray a lot of times was your needs, your wants, and your problems. Okay? That's why when the Lord started talking to me about what it is to be a son and a mature son, and to do the will of God, then I, then I realized that I have to leave my needs in the Father's hands so that I can focus. I said to you before, you can't focus on His will being done if, you are, if your thoughts or your mind is constantly bothering you about about your needs, where you're going to get food, where you're going to get this, Lord, the money, and all those. When that, when you are worried about those things, you can't even, you can't even think about praying the will of God. You can't do that. So it's not going. You are first going to have to get 
some peace. You're going to have to get that thing out of your mind. And I'm sure most of you have always, if, you, if you've had a problem or an issue or a burden or something that's worrying you, it, it becomes difficult to pray, to praise, to worship. Unless you have trained and made the determination to say, I will bless the Lord, I will praise God, I will magnify Him. All those type of things. If that is not your, if you are unable to get those worries, needs out of your mind, you can't pray about the will of God, right? So, um, it, it, is, it is our needs and our desires that cause us to pray, right? And so, the reason I'm asking you that question is so that you can check yourself. I know there was a, a testimony that oh, came out from last week's message where the person said, after, after the message, every time they wanted to pray, they didn't know what, what to pray about. Why? Because their whole prayer was dominated by what they want and what they need. Right? So, uh, if your prayer is dominated by what you want and what you need, then the will of God can't take priority in your life. It can't. So, and you have to learn to hand over those needs and those worries to God. And, um, and, it, and it works. It, it works. I can, I can testify that it works. It's not easy. It works. Right? It does work. And um, so you need to ask yourself, what dominates your prayer? And so when I started learning this, then I was like, when I had to go pray, I was like, I don't know what to pray about. Because I was always, I was asking, always asking the things that maybe I want spiritually. I was, I was maybe after, after every month, you know, because you discover something new, you read this, you hear that, then you ask for this. Then you have this spiritual desire. Then you have that spiritual desire. Then you desire this spiritual thing. Then you hear someone walking in signs and wonders. Oh Lord, let me walk in signs. Oh, then you hear someone about wisdom. Oh Lord, let me have wisdom. Oh, you know, then you hear. And so you jump from prayer to prayer, from desire to desire, not knowing what you want. Now that happens also physically. You know, as always happens the case. We always have things that we desire. And God's kingdom cannot be a priority. God's will cannot be a priority. That which is done first. And I, I think I was, uh, I was discussing with some, some, of the, some of the guys in the house. And we were talking. And as we were talking, we were discovering... You know that sometimes people say, people come into church, they have needs. They have problems. You know, Pastor Prat can move forward or he's talking about the Father, how the Father takes care of you and you're like, yes, say for net for me, but net for me, let the brood op my tafel cry off. But net for me, get a debt that needs to be cancelled. You know, you, you've got problems and you come to church with needs and because 
you are used to a charismatic service where, where the focus of that message is always your needs. It's always your needs because that's one of the reasons, uh, that's how you grow a church. You, you meet the needs of people. And if people get uh, healing or deliverance or they get the debt cancelled or uh, pray for me, my, my marriage is in a mess and just lay your hands and God will do a supernatural thing and their marriage, everything is okay and stuff like that. The, the, the service is always dominated by your needs and the message is based upon your needs. But the problem with that is, is that if we fix that today and pray for that, but you haven't learned a walk, a lifestyle that can meet those needs consistently, then we could get you down, we could meet you uh, two months later and might be praying for the same problem again. And then I said, but listen, the message on Father meets your needs because the Father feeds you, the Father gives you drink, eating and drinking, and the Father clothes you. So if you understand and build that walk with the Father, then in the end, I'm actually dealing with the root cause of your problem, and that will sort out your problem. That you won't have to come to a pastor to pray. If you learn to walk with the Father as a son, then it will meet your needs. So I don't need to focus on your needs. I need to focus on, I need to teach you how to be a son. I need to teach you what it is to walk with the Father. So that your needs can be met. And in the New Testament, God, God reserved that name called Father for Jesus. Jesus was to bring us the revelation of Father. What is it to have a Father? And the Father doesn't only meet your needs, doesn't only give you eating and drinking, He doesn't only give you the clothing, He also comforts. He also guides, He teaches, He supports. That's the Father. If you build yourself on the Father, you will meet all the different needs that you have. So, so I don't need to come here and teach you or, or give a specific message on your needs. Our focus is that you must mature. Our focus is that you must grow up in the Lord. The Bible says grow up. The apostolic, the apostolic desire is maturity. Paul says we, we are teaching uh, that every man should become perfect. That word perfect means mature. In Galatians he says, I pray, he says, until Christ be formed in you. The, the goal is maturity. The goal is that you grow up. You all understand that? So, so if you grow up and learn how to walk with the Father, you will get your needs met. If, if you haven't learned to walk with the Father, 
then just look back in your life and ask yourself how many times you want you went to a service hoping that that preacher would say something to you and sort out the mess a miracle and that's one of the reasons why i personally think that the lord is not sorting some things out instantly because he wants a way of life in that thing he wants you to build a foundation on how to live that just gives you constant peace that you just can constantly walk in that peace so it doesn't come instantly right i know in the past i know in the past i've heard many testimonies of for example on marriages how the lord just did and the marriage just got a miracle happened you know and stuff like that so um i i mean we have we have something like testimonies from margie's wedding of how that the the word that the lord gave me for that wedding how some of the people were on standing on divorce and and they just got their answer and the god just did things right but those are rare cases but what god wants he doesn't want that super quick fix he wants you to learn how to walk right that's what he wants he wants you to learn how to be a son he wants you to learn his ways he wants you to do his will which is the best for you so in that in that you have to see that so you might come with needs but if you do what i'm telling you you will inevitably sort out your needs it might not have been your focus but as you focus maybe like on the father what it is to walk with the father it would meet your needs more than you would uh, uh would find that's what i found the more i focused on the father the more it met my needs the more i focused on the father the more peace i had the less anxiety and worry i had the the fruit of knowing god as father is wonderful so i believe that a lot of the things that we are saying is actually going to sort out your needs right so again for example you might have been desiring promotion desiring other things but as you do these things which doesn't necessarily uh, zoom in on your problem for example in the past you would have wanted the promotion you come and say and then we would have had lots of prayer meetings and if you want the preacher to pray for you come stand up here i don't know why i'm talking like this but i'm talking like this right then you want the 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 everybody come line up here line up here you're looking for a prophetic word you're looking for a word of knowledge oh, pastor the preacher prays what must i pray for you know uh, pastor pray that i pray that i get a, a good job pastor no pray that my marriage gets sorted out pastor no pray my son must give his life to the lord uh, he's not here or so on and and so it goes on and on and you want that quick fix you want the quick fix but you don't want to live a certain way you want the quick fix but you don't want to repent you don't want to change the way that brought you into the circumstance or the problem right that's why one of the 
one of the scriptures that have really fallen into my heart and has made more sense is the one where it says, God says, I will give you the valley of Achor for a door of hope. The word Achor means trouble. In other words, God says, the valley of trouble shall be your door of hope. Because it's there where you make a decision in your heart. I don't want it anymore. There's a famous saying where someone says, what you tolerate, you can't change. So, but trouble, eventually when it becomes unbearable, it is there that you decide to turn. It's there you decide to do. It gets your attention, your focus. It becomes the door of hope, depending upon how you handle it, how you look at it, right? So it becomes that, that door of hope. The trouble becomes the door of hope. If I look back at my own life, all the trouble I went through became my door of hope. Became the place where I seek God. Give me the answer. I don't want this anymore. I'm sick and tired of this thing. Help me here. What is it? No, you got pride. Oh, okay. Thank you, Jesus. Hail Vicky and so on. No, go and honor other pastors. Go and honor other people in authority. Oh, look. Right? Oh, thank you. Okay, Lord. Humble yourself. offering, Say, forgive me if I've dishonored you. What? Then I built in my life honor. Then I built in my life that I will always honor other leaders. I will respect them. Not only even pastors. When it comes to, uh, it can come even into, I, I, went, I went and honored the mayor. I went and honored people in positions of authority. That go from, it can go from civil, can go from uh, domestic, it can go from uh, social, even in church, all the levels of authority. If you see them in authority, honor them. But honor is not just honoring people in authority, it's honoring even people, your brother and your sister. Honor one another. You build a certain way that gives you that gives you constant peace. That just brings in a constant reward. Because the Bible says that when you honor, there is reward. So the Bible says, honor your father and your mother that it may go well with you. Right? As you ask the pastor, Ek en my ouders van Laat hulle net. No, you go learn to honor them. You go learn to honor them and then you see how it changes. Then you see the fruit of a life of honoring your parents. You see the difference, right? So there, there is a way to live and that is what you want. If you're constantly looking for the quick fix, I can't tell you how many times, I don't know why we're going here, but we're going here. I can't tell you how many times in the past, where when we started the ministry, or I think even before we started this ministry, how I walked with other uh, preachers or ministers, and and uh, and they were flowing strong in deliverance and and words of knowledge and prophetic. And I'm telling you, just like this, people came. We had services; it was full. People came. People that usually didn't expect to come, they came. Right, but the minute the, the preacher left down, they left also. But when the preacher came back, 
they also came. And how many times that person had to pray for the same problem in that person. And when he prayed the first time when they met him, and he prayed from God, move. Oh, man, I'm telling you. Marriages instantly. Dead too, just like that. Things happened. Problems they had. Deliverance. Just the issues. Um, children. I mean, uh, many of you uh, were with me back in those days. Um, and you can confirm what I'm saying. Just then he leaves. He goes away for a couple of months. We see him five, six months later. We didn't see those people. They come to the meeting. Same problem. Same old problem. And that's where I got sick and tired of those things. I got sick and tired of it because I'm sick and tired of praying for the same thing, but you don't want to change. You don't want to turn. So let that problem rather drive you so mad that you come to the place of, I can't take it. I am willing to turn. I am willing to repent. That's what the Bible says. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Right? So, so there is a way to live that you must build in yourself. Right? And, uh, and, and, that's, and, that's, and that's where the other problem also comes in because if you are very spiritual, if you are very, um, uh, tend to like to move with the flowing of the Spirit, then you tend to be someone who doesn't like word. You tend to be someone who doesn't like principles. Because principles seems almost like bondage. Right? And that's why, and that's why in certain places you tend to the quick fix. Right? So you can't be like it. You have to have a balance. You must build yourself upon the word. You don't build people by prophetic words. By words of knowledge. I mean, for example, when I walked with that, that, that preacher... The first time I met him, he gave me word. He ministered to me. I met, I encountered God and the Spirit. It was wonderful. You know? But after that, because, because, that, because that preacher was so constantly traveling, didn't spend time in the Word, I mean, many times I heard the same messages over and over. I was like, man, says, Danny, it's nits for the year they're not something new that the Lord is saying. The same message. And so, I got bored. You know, if you want to grow, you get bored with those stuff. If you want to grow, you get bored with those type of things. I get bored sitting, sitting in the service where the, the preacher is just Going down the aisle one by one, giving everybody word. I'm sitting there. Did I come here to be a spectator or what? I don't know why we are here. This is so far away from where I want to be. Right? Um, that I got bored. I was like, I don't want these services anymore. I don't want to sit 
two hours watching someone else praying for somebody else. You know? Because those type of prophetic words, it's not for all of us. If I give a prophetic word for Margie, you can all just sit and listen to what I say to her. She gets blessed, you go home, Here, het met my gepraati. You didn't speak to me. Right? But in this case, that's why the prophetic now is not so much speaking to individuals. The prophetic is now speaking to the church. It's speaking to the body. Now, this message on promotion is a prophetic word. I'm just teaching the prophetic word to you. I am breaking down the prophetic word so that you can understand the prophetic word so that you know how to implement it. So that you can apply it into your life. I mean in the past people gave me, I once asked this prophet who gave me a prophetic word. Uh, he spoke, said lift up your heads, oh you gates, open yourself uh, and the king of glory come in and I was wondering, what does that mean? And so I, when I went over it, then I, uh, then I had to mail him and say, what did you mean by that? I don't know what that means. Then he had to tell me what it means. Because many times those prophetic words, if you're honest, you don't, you don't even, understand, you didn't even understand what the guy said. It was just so wonderful that you had a word. You know, but you didn't even understand what the person said. Or maybe you even misunderstood what he said. That happens so often. I mean, I, I gave you the example last year of how, of how I got a prophetic word. Uh, or my wife and I, we got a prophetic word of our marriage. You know, our marriage is going to be a plumb line in our nation. And our marriage is, is going uh, to be something that should be seen. And, and I, th I was thinking, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yes. We're going to be so in love and alles. And everyone's going to like, yeah, I wish we had a marriage like yours. You know? And then, and then... One day I was, I think that was like three or four years later, I was thinking, man, this prophetic word. And I was just listening to it and then immediately I understood and I said, I misunderstood the prophecy. It wasn't about the Romeo and the Juliet, right? Okay? It was about, she's white, I'm colored. We come from two different grounds. We stand for reconciliation, oneness. How it is possible to come from two different backgrounds and you can be one in Christ. That's what we stand for. That's a, that's a, a, a plumb line. Right? Uh, so, there's things. So, you need, to, you need to break away. You need to break away from that mentality of coming to church and wanting the pastor, you know, you have a need, you have a problem. You Those type of things. The, your, your answer lies in growing up. It, it, it sorts out as long as you stay a child. You'll constantly be asking your daddy to clean your nappies. Right? You'll constantly be asking that. So you need to, you need, your goal needs to grow up. The reason you come is to grow up, is to mature. So now the way the word comes out, God is changing it. He's now giving the prophetic word to everyone. All of you can say here, that word is for me. That is the word of the Lord. None of you can go home and say no. Right? So 
God wants us to do His will. If we're going to be sons, we have to be someone who does His will. Now, Jesus is the Son of God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The word for way in the Greek is hodos. It means a course of life. It means a way to live. So Jesus said, if you look at me, I'm the way. He says, I am the way you should live and walk with the Father. When you come to the Father, this is the way you should come. This is the way you should think. This is the way you should approach Him. This is the way you should pray. A son in Matthew chapter 6, being Jesus Christ, the Son who is the way, is telling us this is how you should pray. He says, a son concentrates on the kingdom and the will of God. But a child does not concentrate on the kingdom and the will of God. He concentrates on his needs. You all, you all understand that? He doesn't, I say, I, I, again, I gave you the example last week. I said, my children, they are not thinking about my will. They are thinking about how they can just have fun, play, and do whatever they want. Right? They are thinking about the things that they want. I can walk with them. You know, I can do things with them, but they, for them to really do things with me that, that is my will is diffic difficult for them. Do you understand that? A son, a son, I know that when you were born again, you became a child of God. And we can positionally say you are a son of God, as many as believed in him, as he given power to become sons of God. But if you are going to practically stand as a son, you are going, though not one of the things is you're going to have to put God's will first. God's will first and in his will really it everything that you need is there right let's let's look at uh, matthew 21 28 matthew 21 and 28 So he says, what do you think? A man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, son, go work today in, the, in, the, in my vineyard. Right? The next one. He answered and said, I will not. Hmm? Exactly. And I, but afterward he regretted it and went. Right? Next one. Then he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Next one. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, assuredly I say unto you that the tax collectors and the harlots entered the kingdom of God before you. Right? So, it is <clears throat> doing the will of God. That is, that is, determines your sonship, how you walk with God, right? And you being a son, it is the concentration upon the will of God. You may say, yeah, 
Lord, I will go, I will do. But if you do not do, then you have not done the will of God. The will of God, you have to focus on it. And there's a scripture, I think it is in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, let's just go there quickly. Matthew chapter 7. Uh, 21, Matthew 7, 21. Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Now, I don't have a real revelation there of that scripture, but all I know is, from this scripture, what I can see is, is that the will of the Father is a very important thing. That's all I can see. I won't go in further and make conclusions. But all I know is what the scripture is telling me. The will of the Father is important. Now listen, when you've got covetousness, you're, not, you're going to be distracted from the will of God. You, when you've got covetousness, you're going to go in another direction. You're going to be going after the eating and the drinking, the clothing, material. And then the kingdom of God is going in this direction. They're going in two opposite directions. It's a distraction. Covetousness is a distraction. It doesn't help you to do the will of God. Okay? It doesn't help. So, if you are going to be able to do the will of God, you have to deal with covetousness. You have to sort it out. And remember, I said to you, that's why you have unanswered prayers. Because you want to spend everything on yourself. Then you won't get your prayers answered. You need to focus on the will of God. Now, I, I think that, and I believe that there is an uh, intense thing happening in the house. There's something intense happening in the house, and that intense thing is there is a wrestle with the will of God. There is wrestling with the will of God. There is a battle to do the will. There is a struggle in that thing. So... Um, and it happens like that. When the word comes in and then there's this questions and ah, you know, there's that constant turmoil in you. Then there's a wrestle going on in the will with the will of God. And that we clearly see also in the life of Jesus when he was in the garden of Gethsemane. Go with me quickly to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verses 37 and 38. Matthew 26, verses 37 and verses 38. 
And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Next one. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Next one. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. This is the only place in the Bible where in Jesus' lifetime where he's actually struggling with God's will. All the other time, he was fine. He was doing God's will. Every other time he said, my meat is to do your will. My meat, my food is to do the Father's will. That is his meat. That is what bothers him. That is what concerns him. That's his burden. That what, that's what keeps him praying at night. That is, what, that is what is constantly on his mind. Doing the will of God. Making sure it's done. Making sure he's accomplishing the will of God. So work, listen, so work that I do must be for the will of God. The work that I am doing is for the will of God as I leave the needs over to the Father. So we need to do the will. Yeah, now, there's three ways you can see it. The one way, you can say, I can't even I got no wrestle in me. But then it is maybe because you are not interested in doing the will of God. You know, sometimes to get peace, you can silence the voice of God. That's how you get peace. To create rest now. So you silence God's voice. You harden your ears. You deafen it so that you will not hear it. You walk away from it. So it doesn't bother you. So you're fine. You eat freedom. You eat rest. Then there's the other one where you are wrestling like Jesus. God's will, my will, His will, must I, mustn't I, all those type of things. And then you don't have that peace yet. And then there's the third one where you give over to the will of God and then you have peace. And then you are calm. Then you are relaxed. Right? Now, sometimes, I think, I think sometimes asking the will of God is, is uh, the will of God for your life. I think sometimes it's... it's um, that, just that question in itself is tough to ask because if the will of God has never been your focus and all of a sudden you ask the will of God, you might find that ish, you are on a, a very different road from His will. And that readjustment is what makes it tough. And then there is the the divorce the wrestling with this will. God is this you are you really saying is, is it you? Is it tough? You know, there's this in inside turmoil, inside going on. You're fighting, 
You're fighting and the only way you're going to get peace is if you go in either direction. Either you say, yes, Lord, I do your will, then you get peace. Or you say, I'm not ready for it, leave it, walk away from it, and you have peace. Right? And you have peace. The will of God must be your focus. It must have your attention. The will of God must be a burden in you. Right? It must be something that grabs a hold of you. It must be something that really has your focus and your attention. It must be the, it must be the reason you are praying. It must be the reason, the thing that drives you to your knees, the will of God. Doing the will of God. What do you want? The, the Bible says that when Paul had his encounter with Jesus, his first thing was, Speak, Lord, I listen. What is it you want me to do? That's how he came to the Lord. Now when the scripture says, many shall say to me, Lord, Lord. Right? The word Lord is, the word Lord means, you can't call someone your boss and then do what you want. That's the same type of thing. You can't say Lord, and then just do what you want. Rather call him Savior. But don't use the terminology Lord. Because Lord, Lord means you do what I tell you to do. Right? That's, that's what that word Lord means. That's why our, I said to you, I think many weeks ago, I said to you, if you got to understand that who saved you. Who saved you? It was the Lord that saved you. Go, if you go look up that scripture, every time, almost every time the Bible uses the word Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord who saved you, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, so in other words, who saved you, your Savior, who, our, our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the scripture says. So in other words, when we gave our life to the Lord, but because we are so used to the word Savior, we are so used to the word Redeemer, Deliverer, Restorer, oh, what are the other ones? All those names has to do with how He's healing me, restoring me, delivering me, saving me. It's got everything to do with how He is serving me. But when it comes to Lord, it now has to do with what can I do for you? If you read the parables, Talking about a master and his servant. Then you will find it's about the servant doing the will of the master. Doing this, the will of the master. If, you, if we're going to be a son, the will of God is important. Does the will of God dominate your prayers? That's how you can check your priority. Just sit and think 
on everything that you are praying. Sit and think about the stuff that you are praying. What are you praying about? How long do you pray about it? Um, those type of questions tell you whether you are praying about the will of God or not. And that is what you, you need to look at that. You need to understand that because covetousness puts us in another direction, causes us to go in another direction, and that is not the will of God. We, we start out wanting to do the will of God, but through covetousness we end up doing our will, doing the things that we want and desire. You all understand that? Therefore it has to be dealt with in us so that we can stay focused on the will of God. We need to know how we can leave things over to God's, to the Father who will take care of our needs. Go with me to Jeremiah 1 verses 5. So for me, what I'm seeing about promotion is that promotion is about advancing the will of God. Promotion is about advancing the kingdom. That's what promotion is about. Okay? Um, that's what you've got to understand. So why are you seeking promotion? I, you've got to align yourself with that. I am seeking promotion so that I can advance the kingdom. So I can advance the will of God. So I can do the will of God. I am seeking a position of influence, okay, at my workplace so that I can influence. But I am not going there to go speak in tongues. Okay? In the meeting. When you go into the meeting, you go, Kurava, Shandalava, no. You say, what are you doing? Right? And you may laugh, but those things happen. All right? I have heard many of those stuff. Okay? You don't go there to tell and talk about Jesus. You go there to do your work. But you bring kingdom. Right? You bring... So the, the goal of, of promotion, why God promotes, right? Primarily, what is in God's heart first? The Son of God, Jesus knows what's in the heart of God. He says, seek first the kingdom. He's saying that is the priority in the Father's heart. That is the goal in the Father's heart. You were saved. The book of, I think it's Titus says, you were saved according to His mercy or grace and purpose. What does that mean? That means you weren't just saved to be saved. You were saved because in you is God's purpose that He wanted to redeem. God's purpose is in you and His purpose when Adam sinned was lost or diverted, is not on track. He saved, Jesus came to bring us back to the original intent for us. Okay, Jeremiah 1 verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. The question here is, the intent that God had with your birth, is your life aligning to that? That's an important question you need to ask. Otherwise, the Bible, the Bible will say it was all vain. You need to ask that question. Why did God send me? Why was I born? Is my life in alignment with my birth? The intent for my birth? There is a time to be born and there's a time to die. We all, most of us are working for retirement. Pension. Where is that in the Bible? Paul said, I have finished my course. I am ready to depart. That means I work until I leave. Retirement is go to heaven. Jesus said, John chapter 70, Father, I have finished the work. I am now ready to go. Peter also said in the book of Peter, he said, I have done my work, I'm ready. It's now time to lay down this tabernacle. Oral Roberts kept serving God till the day he died. People were still coming to him. Benny Hinn, Andrew Womack, some of these great preachers that we know, they were coming to Oral Roberts and Oral Roberts was ministering to them. Ministering to them. Till the day he died. Your, this life is to do God's will, not to retire. That's why you were sent. What does Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Verses 1. Verses 1. Okay, I'll read it. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Your life from birth to death is for the purpose of God. You have to ask yourself, is my life... These are important questions. You have to ask yourself, if your life aligned with the reason for my birth why did he send me you all understand that you can't be you can't be working for retirement if you if you have retired if you're gonna retire and you use that to serve God fine but to retire and chill and go here go there do this do that you know golf, spiel, something like that. Your life is for God's purpose. If you want, Paul said in, I think it was in the book of Philippians, I have a desire to depart. He says, I have an intense desire to be with him. To, de to depart. Ah, but he says, but to stay here is needful. Moses died when his work was finished. 
When he, was, when he did everything that he was called to do, he died. Right? All these people, they died when they finished their work. Jesus finished his work in three and a half years. Klaar. Steed om te gaan. Wat moet hy nog hier maak? There was that one king in the Old Testament who, who was a, and he was sick and he was going to die and the prophet came to him and said, get everything ready, it's time to go. And he, and as the prophet was, I think it's Elijah or Elisha, one of those prophets, I speak under correction, but I know the story, I don't know of the names. And as the prophet was walking out, the king turned himself and he said, I think it's Hezekiah. And the king turned and he said, and he wept before the Lord and said, Oh Lord, look at my life. See how I have served you and done great things. My heart was for you. Don't take, don't let me go home now. And while, you, while the prophet was walking out, the Lord spoke to the prophet, said, go back to him. Tell him he will live. Prophet went back, spoke to him, said, you will live. I think gave him another 15 years. And then the, the, the king said, no, man, don't lie. Don't say I'm going to live and then I die. Give me a sign that I know I shall live. He said, okay, okay. What sign do you want? Okay, so the, the purpose of the sign is to confirm the word. That's the reason for the sign. So a prophet can give you signs to confirm the word, the prophetic word right it's actually something that prophets actually don't do you know um, that much it's not seen that much in the prophetic that where a prophet will say this is the sign the lord gives you that you will know that surely this is the word of the lord all right uh, you see that in the second kings chapter third of first kings or second kings chapter 13 with the one prophet who came a prophet on the altar said oh altar oh, altar you shall be and this shall uh, oh no, he prophesied upon you the son Hosea uh, what's the guy's name? Hosea or Josiah shall be born and he shall destroy this uh, shall break down everything and this shall be the sign, this altar shall split in half Sp this altar split in half then they knew opas these are words from the right? and anyway, so the, he said what sign do you want? and the guy, he said okay the, the prophet said to him, shall the, shall, the go t shall the sun or the shadow go 10 degrees forward or 10 degrees backwards? And the king said, 10 degrees forward is most easy. It's supposed to go forward. He said, let it go backwards. They said, so shall it be? And it went backwards. Right? Word of the Lord. The Bible says that last 15 years, that man turned away from God. That last 15 years turned away from God, right? Just went and did stuff that he wasn't supposed to do. It became, it became a, became, he ended off not very well. The point out of that is, the point out of that is not God taking you away. The point is, your life is to serve the will and the purpose of God. You, now we're dealing with why are you working? Right? You need to be working 
for the purpose, the will, the kingdom of God. And you need to get it into you already that you're going to serve him until your old age. Like Paul did it, like Peter did it, like, okay, Jesus didn't go old age, Moses did it. All these men, when they did, the Bible says, I must actually give you that one. Let's go to Acts. Acts, I think it's 17. In the book of Acts, it talks about where Paul is preaching. And as he's preaching, he's telling them about certain people who have done things for God. And, uh, sorry, it's in Acts, in Acts chapter 13, 22. Acts chapter 13, verses 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Next one. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up, a, up for Israel a savior, Jesus. Next one. And after John had preached before coming the repentance, uh, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. Next one. And as John had finished his course, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not he. But behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to lose. See how the Bible says about, about John the Baptist. When he finished his course, it now came, came time to depart. The Bible says, in another scripture, after David done the will of God, he slept with his fathers. So you've got, to, you've got to change your thinking. This life is to do the will of God. This life is to do the purpose of God. Is your life lining up with the reason why you were born? That's an, that's an important question to ask. This life is not for retirement. Up there it says, there'll be no tears, no, all that. There we will rest. This life is to work for Him. You gotta realize, you gotta work for the Lord Till your old age. So you see, it's got to redefine why you are working. You've got to redefine the reason why you are working. That's important to ask. That's important for you to see. Galatians chapter 1 verses 15. Galatians chapter 1 verses 15. 
So when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace. Next one. To reveal His Son in me that I, sh that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. I, didn't, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. He says, God who separated me from my mother's womb. The, in Jeremiah 1 verses 5 where it says, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before I brought you forth, I ordained you to be a prophet. That word ordained is... What in, that word ordained means I have set you apart for this specific work. That's what it means. It's not, you must not come with that, uh, that um, though, you know, many times the, the, those who feel they have a prophetic calling, then, then you say, who confirmed you? Who ordained you a prophet? Then they say, no, Jeremiah 1 verse 5. Before I, before I came out of my mother's womb, hey, the Lord ordained me to be a prophet. No, but that is not, someone must still in the earth confirm you. Someone must say, that's why Paul, he might say in all the letters, I am an apostle by the will of God, not of man. He keeps saying that. But if you read Acts chapter 13, the same man who says, no man, conf no, I, I did not get my apostleship from man. He was confirmed by man as an apostle sent out next chapter 13 so that scripture in jeremiah 1 verse 5 must not be taken like that um in that sense where you just say ah the lord ordained me a prophet what will means no vehicle mark but if you actually go look through the bible and study the people then you will find they all went through people even jesus went through John the Baptist to get authority. The Son of God, Emmanuel, God, the one who made the worlds. He was the Word made flesh, the Word who created all things. By Him all things were created. For Him all things are. That same Word was made flesh and that same Word who is God went, followed the order and the protocol. And went through John the Baptist to get authority, the right to go into ministry, to be established in what he is doing. So, the, so when you look at that, so that word ordain means to set apart. It is, it is like when you, uh, it's like when I have sweets. The way you must understand that, that word ordained is when you have sweets and your children like in the morning, we have two children, okay? Uh, I mean, the older one, we have a third one, I know. But we have two that we pack in like for chips and those sweeties and those type of things. And uh, we don't give to Ethan those type of sweets. But uh, um, then we get the packet and then we set apart sweets for the one. We set apart sweets for the another. That is to set apart for that. That is what that word ordained means. Go look up the word. It means to be set apart. It means to set. It means to be kept. It is like, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched movies sometimes, these arrows, then they have that specific arrow that is meant for a specific target. 
Now that arrow is then ordained for that specific target. That means it is kept apart. It is set apart for that specific thing. Do you all understand that? So your life has already been set apart, designed to hit a specific target. That's why the Bible in the book of Psalms says that children, they are like, they are like uh, arrows in a quiver. What does that mean? If they are like an arrow in a quiver, it means that when it's time, it gets taken out and the bow gets pulled back and you hit it for a target. It is then set out. It is then ordained to hit a target. That's what that word means. So in other words, no one can give me the prophetic gift. No one can give me the apostolic gift. No one can give me a pastoral gift. It only comes by God. But God uses man to confirm that gift on you. To say, we can trust this gift. In front of me, to say that we can depend. We've seen the life, the testimonies, the report from people. This gift can be trusted. Right? So, but the question here is, Paul says, I was separated from my mother's womb. Your life has to line up with God's purpose. Your life has to line up with God's will. That is where he planned the blessing. That is where he planned the provision. That is where he, where he planned everything for you is within his will. It is like, it is like one of those... Um, uh, we once watched this one Christian... I think it's a Christian movie where... The father passed away, and then his son was always just doing what he wanted to do. Never was interested in his father's business. Never. But obviously he was interested in the money, and, uh, and his father was very rich. And then the father passed away, and then, obviously now, now the children coming to, coming to see the lawyer, and they have to now, it's now inheritance time. And, and uh, but the father designed the will in such a way that, the, that the, he set the boy on a journey to go discover um, the value of life and the, the value of not always having and those type of things. And, and he goes on this journey and he eventually comes to, to value, you know, and be content and and not be so full for himself and all those type of things. And eventually comes back and then he does take over the business. And he runs the business for his father, his pastor. When he takes over the business and he runs it, he takes the inheritance and he actually does something good with it. Right? The, our, our life, we might go on a different track. But we need to come back and discover the will of God. And my point out of the story was that when he came and the father had planned that if his son passed the test, 
he would get almost like everything. But if he didn't, he would give him some inheritance, but he would not give him everything. But the plan was, the plan, the will. That's most the will. It's most testament. The will. He planned it that if, if the son would conform or come to his will, in there he planned, then he would have the business. He would have the cars. He would have the money at his disposal. That means all the blessing, all the prosperity, everything he wanted was in the will of the Father. God works the same. He already planned. All that he planned, all the blessings, all the prosperity, all the advancement, everything you're looking for is in the will of God. Right? And that is why the will of God is the best place for you. I read a story of, uh, of something that Andrew Womack, or not read, I listened, where he said this one, this one uh, um, man came to him and he says his, his uh, wife wanted to, I think she wanted to, she wanted to do something and she felt the Lord, this was the will of God. And because the man, the husband didn't want it, the man, the wife decided to obey the husband, you know, because that's the right thing to do. And then the, the, the wife died in a car accident. And then he gave another testimony and he said, a father phoned him and said, my daughter wants to go, I think it was to Pakistan or some, or some place where there was persecution. And they were, and in that place they were also about to go to war. It's from America, about to go to war. And this father phoned Andrew Womack and said, "Listen, speak to my daughter, tell her we're about to go to war. She can't go to that country." And he spoke to the daughter and he asked her, "Listen, do you believe that this is God's will?" Do you believe that this is what? And she said, without a doubt in my heart, I know this is God's will. Then he said to her, then you need to go. And, uh, and, and, the, the, and then he spoke to the dad, and the dad was upset with him. He said, how can you? He said, listen, the safest place is the will of God. That daughter never died, but the one who didn't do the will, You understand what I'm saying? We got to focus on the will. Covetousness is not going to let you do the will of God. So I feel God wanted me to come and uh, come on, uh, you know, speak this thing on the will, the will, the will, the will of God, the will of God. And if it's tough, if it's a wrestle, you need to wrestle like Jesus. You need to pray until you over come and yield and surrender surrender to the will of God God's will must be done God's will is important it is important from the scriptures that we have seen there's a reason for your birth it is like it is like when a, a father has a child and he's got this dream for him all set out and the child never does the dream he sets himself on another course to do, 
to do something that his father never dreamt for him. You know, and whether that dream was, is correct with God or not, that's not the issue. The example is how we can drift off from what God actually wanted us to do. And you have to be willing to hear His will. Like when my wife said she's going to leave work, I had to be willing to hear that one. I was for six months not willing. But I had to be willing to hear the will of God. At least. I said, no, I'll pray about it. Obviously for six months I didn't really give much attention. But I must, eventually I did. And looking back it was the best decision we've ever made. It looked like logically it's a worse decision. But from God's perspective, it was the best and we saw the provision and the hand of God. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, I just pray that, that we would yield to the will of God. Father, I pray that we would surrender to the will of God. Father, I pray that our ears would not be deaf. We would not harden. Father, I pray again, give. If we don't want to hear, then in dreams and visions, speak. In dreams, give it to us. In, send people, speak to us. Father, that we may do the will of God. Father, there are people in this place today wrestling with your will. Lord Jesus, you wrestled. You knew the price. You knew the difficulty. But you did the Father's will. You understand. Comfort. Strengthen. Empower. Minister. Speak. Strengthen our spirits that we may do the will of God. Father, that it may become our most important thing. Our priority in our lives, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Just, just begin to speak. Just begin to cause uh, a desire. Your word says that it is God who all the while works within us, creating the desire to come in agreement with your will. I pray for a desire that is in agreement with your will. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Let's uh, take up an offering.